official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at wellchurchvt.com. How many of you folks know that nothing will mess with your theology more than looking at Jesus' teachings? (laughs) The teachings of Jesus can be very challenging, right? In the last two weeks, we looked at some challenging teachings of Jesus, one dealing with our relationship with food, the other one dealing with our relationship to money. And today, it doesn't lighten up because we're going to look at Jesus' teaching on our relationship with worry. And every single person in this room has either had or currently has a relationship with worry. (laughs) Um, Taylor Clark in his book called It's Not the Job Market, Three Real Reasons Why Americans Are More Anxious Than Ever Before. He says this in that book, that the U.S., the United States, is the most anxious nation in the world, that our citizens in other countries experience a fifth of the anxiety levels that Americans do. And when immigrants come to America, they typically end up taking on as much anxiety as we do. The National Institute of Mental Health says that this year, over 50 million Americans will experience a panic attack, a phobia, or an anxiety disorder. So that's one out of six Americans this year are going to experience one of those three things. Stress-related ailments are costing us roughly $300 billion per year. That's billion with a B. And so it's, it's easy to see that there's something about our way of life here that lends itself to stress and worry. Yes? Amen? There's something about our way of life that lends itself to stress and worry. And while Jesus delivered the Sermon on the Mount to first century Galileans, his message is not lost on any of us. And now, before we jump into this teaching by Jesus... I want to give a few basic qualifiers uh, that are important. Number one, not all worry is bad. Not all worry is bad. How many of you wiped out walking into church last Sunday on the ice? (laughs) Several of you, I know. I did too. I I went across the street to get my tea, and I was just humming along. It's beautiful out. I was walking, and I hit a patch of ice, and boom, right on my back. I saved the tea because I still have an ounce of athleticism in my body from my younger years. But, and I jumped back up, and this is how I walked the rest of the way into the building. Why did I do that? Why did I slide my feet and take little tiny steps? Because I was worried that I was going to wipe out again. See, here's the thing about worry. Limited worry is helpful. It's actually an internal alarm system that protects us from harm. It's a gift that really that God gives us. I have this fire alarm in my house. You guys have fire alarms in your house and apartments? You should. I have this fire alarm in my house, and it's in between my living room and my kitchen, but the stupid thing is broken. It doesn't work. I mean, it works, but it works all the time. 
We cook a piece of toast, the thing goes off. We open up our oven, the thing goes off. It just, it, it, it puts us on a high state of alert all the time. Whenever it goes off, my dog Bandit puts his head down and runs downstairs to hide under my son's bed. Me, Michelle or I will get a pillow, right? We start waving it. And it's just, you're all stressed after. It's so loud and it just beeps and beeps. And yet we've had a fire in our fireplace before where the flue was blocked because of snow at the top of the chimney. And our house is filled with smoke to the point where our eyes are burning, we're coughing, and the stupid thing doesn't go off. (laughs) And so we think there's something wrong with it. It malfunctions. It's not working right. See, worry is like a fire alarm. When it's working well, it's very helpful right? But, but when it's malfunctioning, when it's not working well, it beeps all the time. We're, we're living constantly in this high state of alert where we're on edge and our nerves are shot. And, and I got to tell you, there's been times when I've taken the battery out of my fire alarm because I just can't handle it. But then I'm sitting there and I think, oh, but we, we really need this. Because if there's a fire in my house, maybe it'll work, <laughs> Right? But worry is like that. Not all worry is bad. We just have, to, we just have to, to figure out how to get it to work for us, right? Second qualifier I want to share before we jump into this teaching by Jesus is that worry and anxiety aren't sins, they're emotions. Now, worry and anxiety can lead us into sinful behavior, right? But they're emotions, not sins. Worry doesn't mean you're spiritually underdeveloped. It means you're human. Okay? Number three, third qualifier I want to give you. Some of our worries and anxieties have deep root systems. And we have to extract them, and it is very hard work. Have you guys ever seen a farmer try to pull out a stump out of a field? They hook up a tractor to it. They got chains, and the tractor's pulling in, and the front of the tractor even lifts up off the ground, and it's yanking back and forth and tugging. And when it finally comes up, you see all these roots that go deep in the ground. Some of our worries and anxieties have deep root systems. Extracting them is hard work. When I was a kid, um, I had this uncle who has always loved to pick on me and my little brother, Aaron. And, and one of the things he would do is he would throw a quilt or a blanket over us, and then he would wrap us up like this. <laughs> it's so me. I, I, I'm telling you, I hated it when that happened. <laughs> and to this day, I have all these deep roots of worry about when, when airflow gets bad, when I feel like I'm, I'm in a really tight space, I have this, all these little claustrophobic roots that go down, right? This little word, this anxiety and this worry that goes way back to that moment when I was a kid. I got to tell you, there's been a couple times I've been on an airplane and you're stuck on the tarmac and it's summer and the air thing is not working. You don't know what I'm talking about. And it gets like 75, 80 degrees on the plane and you're packed in there like sardines and you know you're going to be there for another hour before the plane takes off. And I'm just crawling out of my skin. (laughs) Where, Where does that come from? It's deep rooted all the way back to when I was a little kid. Right? So some of our worries and anxieties, they, they have deep root systems. For the fourth qualifier I want to give, anxiety can also be caused by chemical imbalances in our bodies. And there's an unhealthy stigma that exists around Christians taking medication for anxiety. Uh, but I'm going to tell you this, God is not anti-medication. He's pro-health, he's pro-wellness, he's pro-wholeness. And so 
Taking medication doesn't make you any less of a Christian. It doesn't make your faith inferior. Which leads me to my last qualifier, number five. Jesus followers are not exempt from worry and anxiety. See, there's a reason that Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 are the most highlighted, underlined passages in our Bibles. Does anybody know what that verse is? Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Why is this the most underlined verse in our Bibles? Because we all battle it. Actually, Jesus himself battled it. The Garden of Gethsemane, right? The night of his betrayal. Jesus himself battled concerns, worries. He, he was headed to the cross. He was gonna, about to take on all the sin of mankind, right? God was actually going to turn from him because God is holy and Jesus was going to take on all of, of our sin. And it says that Jesus was so concerned about this that his capillaries actually broke and he sweat drops of blood. Did you know the words anxious and worry both have an etymology referring to being strangled and choked? And that's what it feels like, doesn't it? If you've ever had a panic attack or you've ever been worried or stressed or anxious, it actually feels like you're, you're suffocating. So wouldn't you like to know what Jesus and the scriptures have to say about how we can prevent worry from suffocating us? Okay, good. I was just waiting for one to say, yeah, I'd really like to know about that. Good. Then, then here's, here's, our, here's our game plan for this morning. We're going to read Jesus' teaching on worry, unpack a few parts. Then we're going to go to, to this passage in Philippians where the Apostle Paul teaches on anxiety. So you guys are ready to do this? I'm going to invite John to come up, and he's going to do our reading for us from Matthew's Gospel, the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 6. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the, clothes the grass of the field, which are here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen. Amen. So let's unpack 
a few of these verses. Jesus starts out this teaching about worry by saying, when you start to worry, look at nature. Doesn't that sound like something Jesus would say? <laughs> Pause and look at nature. He says, when, when, you're, when you start to worry, consider the birds and the flowers. Consider the birds because they're able to work without worrying. Right? There's a balance to their existence. They work for what they need, but they make do with what they find. There's a calmness about the birds. They assume that provisions are going to be made. They're not lazy. They're just at peace. And we can learn something from that, can't we? Then Jesus says this, consider the flowers, how effortlessly they exhibit beauty. He uses Solomon as an example. He says, even Solomon in all of his glory can't measure up to the flowers. Even the wealthiest people who are consumed with appearances, they can't match the flowers. So Jesus says, don't fret about provisions or appearances. If God cares so much about the birds and the flowers, won't he do the same for us? Now, let's quickly address a major tension this verse causes, this teaching causes. At first glance, this teaching seems extremely oversimplified and even insensitive. What about the starving people in the world, right? Do we just tell them, hey, God provides for the birds, just trust him. He'll provide for you. No, it's more complex than that, right? So I need to be clear here that this is not Jesus' strategy for people who are starving, while, while his Galilean audience during this sermon was poor, they weren't starving. Jesus would say something entirely different to an audience who was starving. He isn't trying to answer every economic problem with this one single teaching on worry. Okay, This specific teaching assumes that his audience has the basic provisions for life. His goal is to urge these Galilean disciples to trust God when things get tight. He wants them to focus more on the kingdom of God than on their own provisions, which leads us to this next verse, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So Jesus is saying money matters, provisions matter, but the central focus of your life needs to be for God and his kingdom to come. Okay? Verse 34 I love this verse. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. Truer words have not been spoken than those, right? <laughs> so the question is, how do we get there? How do we get to a place where we're not worrying about tomorrow? Well, I'd like us to go back to that passage in Philippians 4, that, that most underlying passage in our Bibles. Because in Philippians chapter 4, there are four verses with four admonitions that can help us fix our fire alarm. Okay? In Philippians 4, there's four verses with four admonitions that can help us uh, battle worry and anxiety and fix our fire alarm. So I'm going to use an acronym for this, this passage, which I got from the book Anxious for Nothing, which is written by Max Lucado. And the acronym is CALM, C-A-L-M. And so let's look at the first one, C, celebrate God's goodness. Philippians 4, verse 4, 
says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Now, the Apostle Paul's prescription for worry starts with rejoicing in the Lord. Now, understand that when Paul wrote these words, he was in a, under house arrest. When he wrote the words, rejoice in the Lord always, I'll say it again, rejoice, he was a prisoner. So things were not exactly going super well for him. His circumstances were not rejoicing type circumstances. So uh, the rejoicing in the Lord that he's talking about isn't circumstantial. It, it goes deeper than that. The, the, the rejoicing in the Lord that he's talking about is a rooted confidence that God is in control and that he's good. That he's in control and that he's good, which means this. No matter what we're facing, we can rejoice in the Lord. If you don't believe me, watch Karen on a Sunday. Karen has stage four cancer. Every Sunday, she, she comes down here, sits in the front row. She sings her heart out. Right? You'll see her bopping around up here singing, <laughs> singing her heart. You would never know that she has stage four cancer. Why? Because she, she has rooted confidence in who God is, that he's good in spite of all of her, her, her trials. If you guys, you guys know the story of how the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, was written? It was written by a, a guy by the name of Horatio Spafford, and he was a prosperous lawyer who lost everything in the great Chicago fire of 1871. And after the fire, after he lost everything, he decided to relocate his family to Europe. He had a wife, Anna, and four daughters, and, but he had some business to take care of before he left, and so he had his wife, Anna, and four daughters sail out in November of that year to go get situated in, in Europe while he finished wrapping up some business matters. He was going to join them in December. But a few weeks after his wife and daughters departed, he got a telegram from his wife that said, saved alone, what shall I do? And he discovered that the ship that his wife and four daughters were on crashed into a British vessel and sunk, and its four daughters drowned at sea. And so he went to Europe, found his wife Anna, and as they were sailing back to Chicago, he wrote the lyrics for It Is Well With My Soul. Here's verse 1 of that hymn. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot that was taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Powerful. See, Horatio Spafford understood this, that although God never promised us a life with no storms, he did promise to be there when we face them. Jesus said it a different way. He said it this way. In this world, you will have trouble. But then he says this, but cheer up, because I've overcome the world. See, here's the thing about rejoicing in the Lord. Rejoicing in the Lord feels counterintuitive at times. But those are the times when we need it the most. Because it reminds us that everything's going to be okay. Rejoice in the Lord. 
always, and I'll say it again, rejoice. Philippians 4. 4. Let's look at these next two letters in the acronym. C is celebrate God's goodness. A is ask for God's help. And L stands for leave our concerns with him. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Let's read this again. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, the Apostle Paul teaches us that prayer is how we take action against worry. See, when we sense worry starting to well up in our souls, it's a warning signal that this is a time for me to cast all my cares and concerns towards God. And the Apostle Paul goes further. He says, be specific with those prayers. That phrase, by prayer and petition, petition means you pray the particulars of your problems. So he's saying, be specific. That when worry starts and anxiety starts to swell up with you, Pray specific prayers. And there's a, there's a peace that comes when we do that. When we leave our concerns in God's hands, there's a peace that comes that doesn't even make sense. It's illogical. Have you ever experienced that before? When worry, anxiety, stress, it's all hitting you, and you just start praying specifically, just releasing those cares to God, and all of a sudden, this peace that it doesn't even make sense comes over, and it's like it's standing over your heart and mind, and it's guarding it, right? Remember Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night of his betrayal? He's, he's worried about the cross, and he's concerned about taking on the sin of the world, and, and he entrusts those things to his heavenly Father through prayer. He says, Father, let this cup pass from me, but not my will be done, but yours. Right? What's he doing? He, he's asking for, for his Father's help, and he's releasing his concerns, putting his concerns in God's hands. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 is a powerful verse. It says this, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares about you. The last letter in this acronym is M, and it stands for meditate on good things. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, the very next verse, says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. And so healing from, from worry requires healthy thinking. Uh, there's a passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5, and we're implored to, to take our thoughts captive and make them obey Christ. And, and I, I've prayed this way many times when I, I have a, a worrisome, an anxious, uh, a stressful thought come, and... Um, I, I turn to prayer and say, God, this, this anxious, negative thought just wormed its way into my mind. And I know it's not from you because your word says that you haven't given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And, and, and I'll ask God, God, help me be like an air traffic controller and just reroute this thought out of here. And help me land one that's good, that's pure, that's lovely, that's praiseworthy, 
that's virtuous, that's just. And so what I want to do this morning to, to close our time together is I want to give us all an opportunity to practice this acronym, CALM, that we just walked through. We're going to celebrate God's good, goodness through singing together. And I have a few volunteers. They're going to hand you out a little red piece of paper. And you guys, if you can hand those out, they're going to hand you out a little red round piece of paper with a pen. And this piece of paper is red because it represents Jesus sweating blood. And what I want you to do with this piece of paper is I want you to take, take it with your pen and I want you to write down the thing that's troubling you, that's causing you worry. I want you to write down the thing that vexes you from time to time, the thing that, that stresses you out, the thing that causes anxiety. And I know a couple of you are thinking, I need a whole red book, a red little <laughs> piece of paper. Well, let's just do this for now. We'll, we'll get a red book later. I just want you to write down one thing on it. And what we're going to do is we're going to celebrate God's goodness together. Um, we're going to write down the thing that's stressing us, vexing us, causing us anxiety and worry. And then I'm going to lead us in a prayer together to ask for God's help. And then if you so choose, and this is completely up to you, we're going to have an opportunity while we're singing and worshiping together for you to take that piece of paper which you wrote down your worry, your stress, your anxiety, and we're going to come and just put it in these ceramic hands which represent God's hands. And we're just going to leave it here. right? Then I want you to go back to your seats, and you're not done yet, because I want you to meditate on one of the good things that God is doing in your life. Whatever's true, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, just meditate on that, and we're going to worship, close our time with worship together. Does that make sense? Everybody got those directions? So go ahead and jot that down. And while you're jotting it down, I'm going to say a prayer for us. God, I, I think I can speak for everyone in this room that we don't enjoy the experience of being suffocated by worry. And... We don't enjoy the experience of being strangled by anxiety or having the weight of our concerns crush us. Lord, we thank you that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. I pray for all, all my friends, and I pray for myself included, Lord, that we would learn how to be calm, to celebrate God's goodness, to ask God for help, to leave our cares and concerns in God's hands and to meditate on good things. Because life's too short to, to live anxious and, and worried. <clears throat> but God, we're going to need your supernatural ability. We're going to need to follow in the footsteps of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when he sweat drops of blood. But he was able to just release his concerns to his heavenly Father. And for the joy set before him, endure the cross. God, would you do the same for us? Give us the same courage, the same confidence, the same boldness that Jesus exhibited so that we can walk into our future and accomplish all the things that you have for us. 
So God, let that work even start today as we just write that, that thing down that vexes us on this piece of paper. And for those who come up and, and put that in the hands, God, we pray that they would walk out of this space this morning with a new sense of release and freedom, knowing that, that our cares and our concerns are in good hands because we serve a good God. You are good. Just as we sang today, you are good. So Lord, help us as we, we do this and we practice this together in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we stand up? We're going to sing. If you feel like you want to come up and put that in the, in the hands up here, please feel free to do so. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community reintroducing Jesus in Vermont through worship, service, creativity, and community.